Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Sunday, a day a little early today, talking with Coach Harvey Hyde. Normally we talk to him on Monday. We're going to talk today on Sunday with USC's practice schedule changing because they got a Friday game against Colorado. So we're going to move everything up one day. We'll have Dan Weber on Tuesday, and, and Ryan will probably do a solo one myself. We'll do one on Wednesday. But uh wanted to make it an interactive show. You guys have already sent in questions from USC's 38-30 win over Arizona Saturday night in the Coliseum. So if you have any questions for us, send them in podcast at uscfootball.com or you can leave us a voicemail 641-715-3900 is the number. Leave it at mailbox 816-646. Try to keep it brief and we'll play it on the air. You can also go to our website, peristylepodcast.com. Leave a voicemail that way and please subscribe on iTunes. Go to itunes.com slash peristylepodcast. Tell all your USC friends and family about the Peristyle Podcast. Spread it around. We're just trying to talk some USC football here. We've been doing it since 2008, and Coach was with it, has been with us the whole time. He's with us again today. What's up, Coach? How are you doing? Ryan, are you serious? That long I've been with you since what, 2008? 2008. Wow, I'll tell you. You used to say Peristyle Podcast number 292, <laughs> but you've done away with that now. You just say since 2008, right? Yeah, we, uh, we, I don't know, we kind of changed it up a little bit, I guess you could say. So we're not doing the whole episode. We got to the 400s and we're like, I don't think we can count the episodes anymore. <laughs> well, good. Listen, I'm ready to go and I'm sorry we can't do it at a regular time on Monday. I know there's a different practice schedule and everything else with a Friday game, but I got to go on secret assignment tomorrow anyway for a couple of days and then I'll be back on Wednesday and then get ready for the University of Colorado game. Nice. All right. Well, let's uh, jump right into it. I wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. Go to sctickets.com or give them a call at 1-800-888-7287. Only one home game left, which is crazy. That's UCLA. If you want tickets for that, you want tickets for Kings or Ducks or anything along those lines. Of course, NBA basketball, Clippers doing well, Lakers not so much. You can do all that kind of stuff here in L.A. or across the country. Go to sctickets.com. And they'll help you out. We'll actually have some more from them at the end of the show. And, uh, coach, before we jump into the questions, uh, I was just wanted to give us, you know, if you had a few keys to what you, you know, you pulled out of this game, you know, something that really stuck out to you that you want to kind of talk about. Let's start with that and then we'll get into some questions. Well, you know, it was a win. You've got to always, uh, be happy with a win. And it was a not emotional game to me. It looked like a, a team that showed up that was tired, a team that, has been through a lot, and I think it showed in this football game. It was a late game, away from their normal practice time. You've heard me talk about that. On the East Coast, it starts at 10.30 p.m. Not that they're operating on that time, but it's, uh, you know, at the end of the game, it's 14 hours difference from when they're normally practicing. So I thought they were tired. I don't know how much of a difference you've heard me dwell on that, so I won't do that today. But they looked a step slow. Uh, in fact, at the beginning of the game, I said, Arizona looks quicker. Yeah. At night, you're supposed to look quicker. Uh, you agree with me then, on Ryan? They, they looked slower, didn't they? Yeah, no, I mean, USC looked like they were sleepwalking through the first quarter, 12 total yards. 
and Arizona came out on fire and you know scored 14 points when they only scored three last week. So it looked like Arizona was ready, and it looks like USC wasn't ready. Yes, you're right. So I, I'm going to say uh, I know people don't like to hear about an ugly win or a win, but a win's a win no matter how it looks. Like I tweeted out once, I don't care what the halftime score is or the stats. All I care about is what the final score is. And it ended up 38-30. There were parts of the game I liked. There were parts of the game I thought that that the rhythm wasn't there. It didn't flow. I'm, I'm talking about the entire thing as far as uh, the passing game, the play calling, the special teams. Uh, you can't be perfect every week. But they were able to survive uh, an Arizona team to look you know, uh, it was somewhat beat up too, but it came to play. And uh, I, I got to give Arizona credit on this, and I got to give USC credit too, because when it came to the second half of the game, when they had to, you know, after a 17-17 at half and win the third quarter, which they did, in the fourth quarter they went to the same means that they did against Cal. They went to the running game, ball control, and won the football game. I, I didn't really like the last series that Arizona had, I'm not saying that they gave up or they didn't play with a lot of intensity. I I never give up. I should never use that term. But after they scored that final touchdown when they had 38, everybody started to relax a little bit, even myself. And the kickoff goes rolling out of bounds. You can't even keep keep the ball in play. And uh, they get the ball on the 40-yard line. I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, And then from there... Uh, no pressure really was applied, and they drive down and they score, and they make it a closer football game uh, and than it really, really had appeared. And I wanted them to somewhat have that 38-23 win. That's me being selfish because they really had come back in the second half, and they came back and did what they had to do. And I was yelling the whole game about run the football, run the football, run the football, balance out their defense and run at them. When they finally got doing that, then it became a very successful uh, game because people have to realize that everybody says run the ball, run the ball to Jones, give Jones the ball, and you can do that. But every game, every ball player, every running player is going to score a touchdown. So don't get over anxious. I mean, if he makes one yard or three yards, he learns from that. And the next time they run the same exact play, he breaks it because he learned from what happened before and runs for a big gain, whether it's a touchdown or 20 yards or whatever. But you have to consistently stay on schedule, and I think they got off schedule. In fact, Cody was running around and got hit many, many times last night, especially in the first quarter. and second quarter, he got hammered pretty good. Their passing game seems to bother me an awful lot because they seem to only have really one receiver, Juju Smith-Schuster. If he's not out there, who'd they throw the ball to? They were throwing it to the running backs, which they did, and I – Suggested they do that when I wasn't sure Juju wasn't going to play, and but he did play. You can't keep him out. But the rest of the passing game is, is zilch. I mean, Pinner drops a pass, Rogers drops a pass. The tight ends look completely lost out there. What I mean is, poor guys. Someone got to give them a map or something because they're they're not running the right routes. There's you know just everything, and they're not really blocking you off the line of scrimmage. So. They need a lot of help. They really look like basketball players playing football, but I can't hold that against them. They're put in a position where they really can't do what they need to do. So a W is a W, and a win is a win. And there's only 12 days of practice left, Ryan, and there's three games remaining, Ryan, 
And people got to understand those 12 days of practice and those three games are really going to mean a lot to the football program at USC and all of the above. Um, Coach, you kind of mentioned the Juju Fifth Smith factor. I mean, he was an absolute warrior in the game, 138 yards after having surgery on Monday. Uh, he said at the end he was in a lot of pain, told the coaches he wasn't. And afterwards, we saw him leave. He had ice all over his hand. He didn't even want to talk anymore. He's like, I really, I mean, he always likes to talk after the games, after the press conference. He's like, I really just had to go. I'm in a lot of pain. So, I mean, just a warrior. And, uh, but, you know, he was a huge, huge part of the passing offense. I think I put the, the stat down. He had like 60, 60% of the receiving yards or 57% of receiving yards or something like that. Um, so it's, I mean, so much of the, the passing yardage coach went through, uh, Juju Smith Schuster. And I think, that's what this question has to deal with, the concern about that. Here you go. Hey, Ryan. Uh, what a win for our Trojans first. Uh, it was great to see the team work through some adversity and not give up. Um, and I think Coach Helton deserves uh, so much credit in bringing this team together. Uh, my question is for uh, for yourself, for Coach Hyde. Why does it seem like uh, Cody Kessler is so dependent on Juju, uh, even when we have so many other dynamic wide receivers? Um, and do you believe Coach Helton is using the wide receiver slash bubble screen way too much? Um, thanks again, Ryan, Coach. Uh, this is Eric in Georgia. Fight on. Well, thank you very much. Uh, first of all, uh, Cody uh, Cody seems always more more or less roll to the right when he's getting pressure, and that means that the breakdown is coming on the pass rush from what side? The left side, if you can roll right. I never see him hardly ever scrambled to the left. Doesn't really happen. He always is scrambling to the right and in most cases I believe I, I don't have the film or the tape to prove this out, but that's the side of where Juju is. And he he is a he is a what do you say, a veteran where he can find the open spot and throw the ball to him. The other people have not learned to do that. I tell you well, that's what I was talking about the tight ends. They they do not find the open area as far as in on one route that they completed to Juju, I think it was. The tight end was about five yards from, from him, four yards from him. Just, I mean, and I know he's not supposed to be there. I don't know where he's supposed to be. but And also, the drop-back pass of it, he never does look, first of all, away from Juju. He always looks towards Juju. And believe me, I would look towards him, too, that that strike, the 70 or whatever, 72-yard pass right after the Plattenberg interception was just tremendous. Nice shot, nice play, just like a highlight film play. So I don't know why he doesn't utilize his receivers more. And, I, and I'm not sure if he doesn't subconsciously just look to him. But the other guys don't get touches. They don't get touches at all. When they do, they drop the ball. I don't know if he loses confidence on throwing them the ball, but they don't get the touches. Mitchell got two or three touches last night. The backs got two or three touches each last night. I know uh, Davis ran in a, a touchdown, and Jones uh, ran in a touchdown on a pass, and and Jackson caught a nice uh, wheel route down the side, not yeah, down the sideline, right sideline, and made a nice play there. But uh, it's it's puzzling. It's really puzzling why that happens. And I I started talking about that before you asked the question. Now, the quick screen, 
I think that you've got to do something to counter that. You can't just continually throw that without having a counter out of that so that people, as soon as you see that, don't just come flying up and crash into your stack of blockers there and, and just stop it before it gets started. You've got to be able to have a pump. You see Oregon do it all the time pump the, the quick screen and then have the lead blocker, the blocker that's, you know, a couple of yards down the field, five yards down the field, stock his guy, then release and go straight down the field and then pump him and then hit him. So occasionally they know you have that in your play booklet because you can't allow them to keep doing that to you because somewhere if you do this, I do that. So you've got to be able to do that to keep them honest on that quick screen and it's a good play. And after a while, you sort of wear it out unless you have something else to counter it, just like any other play. You've got to be able to counter your great plays, and you run it until they stop it. And then when you see they're stopping it, you've got to have an alternate plan that when they stop this, we're going to do that. And I think that's uh, what we're all talking about, and I'm glad you brought that question up. Coach, you get a little excited sometimes and hit the buttons on the phone. Is that what happens? I like that. On what phone? I heard a little beep. I don't know if you hit a button on your phone or not. No, I didn't hit any button. Oh, really? Okay, so I, no. I thought that was no, interesting. I wish I did have a button to hit. <laughs> it's like sometimes you get excited. I hear this like beep, kind of like you're hitting a button. Really? On yeah. No, I don't. I'm not on my cell phone. No, I just got a regular handheld phone. Nice. All right. Um, well, oh, let's... I know what that must be. It must be my email coming in. Oh, maybe it's that. I'm not sure. Yeah, it yeah, sounded it sort of like wakes a, me up so I look at it. It sounded like pushing a button, like a, a number on a phone, like a landline phone, like hitting yeah. that. No, I'm sorry. No, no, no problem. It's uh, I just, It happens every once in a while. Uh, let's go to the G. He's he's the G. He says, fight on. He goes, we won. The game was painful to watch at times, but a W is a W. This is for Coach Hyde. While our offense has been inconsistent over the past several games, the commitment to the run game is clearly paying dividends. Adjustments are being made on the defensive side of the ball. However, it is evident that the secondary is struggling to stop the pass game. The late touchdown to bring the game within eight points was, well, embarrassing. Uh, is it scheme? Uh, failure of our DBs to cover? The inability of our offensive line to get pressure on the QB? Or a combination of all three? I think you're right. Uh, I felt that way. Uh, I mentioned that earlier. I was disappointed in that last drive. Uh, we discussed that earlier in our comments in opening this segment, uh, the podcast. Uh, I think it's a combination of all three. I think you've got to have a philosophy, and I don't think the defense yet has an identity. I think the offense is working on an identity as far as establishing that we're going to be tough, we're going to run the football. And I think the team is starting to gain confidence in it, and I think they like it. And in the last two games, they've run the ball more than they passed the football. Yet the stats of Cody are tremendous as far as percentage-wise and what he's completing on the number of passes he's throwing. So it'll continually get better, and you'll have more success with it as you go along. And I think what will help the running game, too, is the two-back set when you use Vanuku or, or Pinner in there because you can get better blocking schemes. And, and, and not only that, that'll, I think, I believe, replace the tight end as far as being physical. You've got some guys that are a little bit more physical in there than kick-out guys and and uh, and run inside of them. But as far as the defense is concerned, yeah, I think you've got to have an identity of what you're going to do, who you are over there. Are you going to be an attacking defense or just occasionally attacked? When they attacked, 
they come after you, and they cause a lot of problems for the offense. They might not get to him every time, but they hurry his throw. They put a lot of noise around him, and he's he's throwing interceptions or he's throwing the passes wildly over someone's head or it's short or whatever. It's not just sitting there and being able to just find out what's going on. Now, when they run that run option read pass, that's a difficult thing to stop. But you've got to be, have somebody up in his face so he can't do that. You've got to have someone say, you're going to know you're going to get hit. So you're going to get hit, so you better run it or throw it right off the bat because I've got you. And I think that's something that we're not showing as far as USC is uh, they're able to play you. They're in, in command. If, if you're going to do this, we're going to do that. Well, that's fine, but I'm going to hit you every time. I just want you to know that. So I think that's really important that they get some of these uh, philosophies down and they got to decide, too, on their man technique and how they're going to play their secondary. And are you going to play loose zone, tight man zone? Down there on the goal line on that one pass early in the game when Marshall was beaten down on the uh, by Phillips, I think it was the first pass or second pass of the game when he gave him the inside. Heck, he didn't even jam. He didn't do anything to him. He just went to the inside. Well, he's a young player. He's going to be a great player, and I hate to see players learn that way because it costs the team, and and I'm talking about it, so that shouldn't be that way. But you've got to be able to have a philosophy of what you're going to do. They get no pressure off the ends. If you, uh, you get no immediate jump off the football. I never see anybody jump off the line of scrimmage yet. Let's give them some credit. Last night they shut down. Without Wilson, their top running back, they shut down the rushing game. I believe they only had 60 yards net rushing, which is 200 yards less than what their average has been the entire year. Yeah. So that that's a positive thing right there. So on the defensive front, the defensive guys are becoming more aggressive and penetrating. Pallone, I thought, played well last night. I thought Townsend flew around a lot. Simmons is starting to fly around. And Lamar Dawson, when he came in the game, he flew around pretty good. He showed some quickness at the linebacker spot, which we got to see some quickness at the linebacker spot. You've got to have quick guys to play these quick-running teams that try to, uh, you know, out-finesse you rather than pound you. So Sue, Sue Craven, I don't have to tell you anything about him. He's going to show up at every game. So, uh, But you're right. you got to have an identity, and, and I didn't like that last drive either. I thought it was somewhat embarrassing, and I thought it would, they should have got out of there 38-23 and showed that they could come back and have a great second half, which they did because they got the W, but they were down 14 nothing at one time. Right. It, and uh, I, I like that because when it first started, right, I don't know how you felt. I said, oh, no. Not one of these. <laughs> yeah, they just looked like they were sleepwalking through the game and just weren't. I mean, the first four drives of the game, three three and outs and a fumble. So yeah, it wasn't a wasn't an ideal start. Um, Percy has a question. He said Ronald Jones a second and Justin Davis should be the new Thunder and Lightning since Madden can't stay healthy. I really like him, but it worked very well last night. Um, so get your thoughts on that. But Justin Davis really isn't much of a thunder, I would think. He's he's more of kind of a lightning guy, too. He's a lightning guy, but he's a stronger runner. Uh, what I mean by that, he, he's he's different than Jones. He's Jones is a flashy guy. Jones is the type of guy that, hey, you make one mistake, you let him get in your secondary, and he's running like a Dory Jackson. Look out. Here he comes. 
You better just hang on somewhere out till help gets there because he'll he'll duke you right out of it. He makes the moves in the downfield, and you're gone. Davis uh, can do the same thing, but he's a bigger, stronger, upper-body type of runner. Uh, he can probably, if you're going to wrap up on him, he can get that extra yard going straight forward. Uh, Jones will give you that extra yard by breaking the tackle and going for a home run. But both of them do complement each other. I really believe they do. I don't know what happened. I'm going to ask you this question, uh, Ryan, so you can tell all of us. What happened to Madden? Trey, did he get hurt, or did they just take him out of the game when he fumbled? Do you know? You know, he hasn't been practicing a whole lot. And, you know, the, the fumble, you could say it was on Cody. It was on the exchange. But he never came in again. He never got a single carry. Uh, we didn't get to talk to anybody. He, we didn't get to see him after the game. And get the word. I kind of get the feeling it just wasn't going to be a hundred percent. The fumble probably didn't help, and just at that point they just kind of moved on. And it was only Justin Davis and uh, Ronald Jones got carries in the game. They didn't give anyone else a carry. No, I noticed that too. You know, I was hoping, and I, I spoke on it on the pre-pre-game show that I was hoping that this would be an opportunity against. Arizona and maybe Colorado, and I assume wrong because of the fatigue of the team and what they've been through, that this might have been a week with homecoming and all of the above that Max Brown would have been able to play more where some of these other players get a lot of experience. Yet, on that final drive of the game, I don't know if you noticed this, Ryan, or any of our listeners, you probably do, the second O-line was in there on that drive, and they did a tremendous job. They played a lot of linemen offensively and defensively last night. Yeah. Now they mixed it up quite a bit. So that's a plus. So uh, the younger kids are coming along, and uh, I was glad to see that happen. But I was hoping that the quarterback situation and some of the other kids that have paid a price out there may have had an opportunity because Max has got to have some turns someday before he opens up next year against Alabama, uh, which is going to be a real challenge for, I hope, both teams. Yeah. Well, he's running out of games to get turns in, <laughs> so we'll see. I thought it would be this one. Um, Tarek had a question. What can Iman Biggie Marshall do uh, to be in better position on slants where he was often in the Arizona game? Better on what? On slants, better position when he's... Slants, yes, that's what we were talking about. Uh, I, 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 you know, I, I don't want to be critical on coaching or anything like that, but I couldn't understand what was going on. Uh, you know, he wasn't up in a real jam type of position. And he gave the guy either way. Uh, you know, normally I would say, okay, I'm going to play inside here, depending where you're, you're lined up. And if you're going to do anything, you're going to take the fade route on me, or if you do anything, but you can't give the inside slant like that. He made one little move and went inside and, Poor Biggie didn't even move. It was like I'm on an island. What's happening to me out here? And when I saw that, my first thought was, you know, I think he's too big and too strong and too muscular maybe to be a, a corner. Not that he won't hit you and cover you and all of the above. But, you know, uh, maybe he's an inside player. Maybe he should be a safety because he loves to hammer you, just loves to hammer you and cover because uh, the guy did it so easily. It was so easily done that really 
I felt sorry for Biggie. I, I did in a way. I felt sorry, like wow, you know, he knew that would, and I and I noticed that they put the camera on him, and he was looking at the camera, and he knew exactly what everybody was thinking, because he was thinking it himself. Wow, what happened? He went into shock, and uh, I didn't think they they played that right. I don't know if it was him not lining up properly, or if uh, he's been taught something that I don't know, but. Yeah, uh, that was uh, a shocking play, and uh, I agree 100%. You can't give that guy that play down there or anywhere. Uh, All right, let's go. Here's one from Earl in West L.A. He says, I can't remember the last time I saw a Trojan team come from a 14-point deficit to win a game. And I'll just interject here real quick. So the last time that happened, USC was down real early to Utah, 14-0, and came back and won in 2012. But the last time USC went into a fourth quarter trailing, which they were in this game, and and won the game, uh, was in 2009 under Pete Carroll when they, they, they were trailing by a few points to Oregon State. So it's been a while. Now, comebacks have not been something that's been common early in West L.A., but I'll, I'll continue reading what he was saying. He said they made adjustments, they adapted to what the other team was doing, and they overcame. And for the second week in a row, they finished strong. It appears to me Clay Helton has... Uh, stamped his personality into this program and is well on his way uh, to making this his team if he hasn't already. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I agree with you. I think the last two games have been won in the fourth quarter by ball controlling and running the football, and I think they still have to get an identity on that and and continue to work. They were running a three-three-five defense, and I'd like to have seen them if they wanted to take a little bit more advantage of the run is to get in the double tight and balance that defense out or run towards the tight end more where you don't have, you know, an extra guy and get those defensive backs out of there as far as balance the defense and pound them. And they did do that. They did a great job. Remember, like I mentioned a moment ago, every play isn't going to be a touchdown. So if it's three yards or it's four yards and it's five yards, all of a sudden they're first down again. They got off schedule. They started throwing the ball first down or starting off the series with a bootleg and then another pass and then ran the ball. And believe me, on a couple of those third and long yardages, the run, the run worked. And then they got big yardage. But when you're going to establish something, I think you could stay with what's working. And that was absolutely working. And Cody wasn't getting the protection and Cody was getting beat up and Schuster was gone for a while, and the passing game wasn't really what it was supposed to be, and it was a little defunct out there. So you lost a little of the momentum at that time. So uh, I agree. I, I'd love to see it. The way they came back was tremendous, really was, because uh, I was wondering what was going to happen. What, who is this team? What's going to happen here? And they did it again. In fact, I tweeted out, and Ryan, you saw that at the end of the third quarter. I gave a few things that they need to do, and I said that the game is in the hands of the offense. The game is in the hands of the offense. Ball control the game, run the clock down, score touchdowns. And remember, when you're on offense, the other team doesn't have the ball. Your defense can rest, and also they can't score. So, and they did do that. The last score, I wasn't happy with at all. They gave up that touchdown. The score should have been 38-23. Yeah, no, I agree with you there, Coach. Um, thanks, Earl, for that question. Uh, let's see. Why don't we go to Tana? He says, Coach Hyde, 
Can USC stop running a 3-2 defense? Uh, Arizona has five linemen and a quarterback and a running back. That's seven on five. If they want to run, there's an easy four yards. And if they want to pass, Solomon has all day from that three-man front. What's the advantage of this uh, defense, especially against a mobile quarterback? Well, the advantage is uh, you're supposed to be able to stop the spread better with that type of formation with your linebackers and playing that, but I don't like it. I like the rush. I like the four-down four linemen. I like to get people in their face. I like to jump off the football with their defensive end. They don't get any, they don't get any pressure right away. And uh, I don't know, but I think right now they've worked on it all spring. They've been running it this season. They've been, you know, running it that, it's probably hard right now to change it because they have all their adjustments down to this defense. If they come out and they do this, or if they're in that set and they motion on this and all the above, that somebody will break down and not communicate and they'll have a mistake. So they're figuring, I'm sure that it's better to stay with what we're doing because we've been working on this and teaching it rather than in three days or during a week and 12 practices left in the season, make a change. And I can see that. Uh, I, I don't know what USC may do in the future. I don't know who will be the head coach in the future. Uh, Clay Helton certainly has impressed me as far as a gentleman, as a leader of the USC football team. And I think he's done an excellent job because you got to look at what he's doing. Remember, he's not, he's doing this without his coaches. And don't get me wrong, they're all coaches, but they're not his coaches. Right. They're working for him, but they're not working for him. And they're all looking for a job, but they assume they're not going to be there. That's the first thing they're doing as assistant coaches. Coach Helton is going for the head coaching job, so it's important to him. So it's a difficult situation to win a football game, yet to continue, and as everyone's saying, he must win out to become the head football coach there. So there's a lot of pressure yeah. on Coach Helton. Uh, does he really need to win out to be the head football coach at USC? I don't know. I don't know who's making this criteria. Is it the media? I haven't heard Pat Hayden say that. I haven't heard the president say that. The people that are making the decisions say that. Or maybe they're not going to say anything, and I hope they don't do another Ed Orgeron type of deal. I hope there's more communication than that. But I don't know. Uh, it. Uh, you know, I think he's doing a, one heck of a job. I really am. Under the conditions of where he took the job open, over, the players love him. They're playing hard. They've had a lot of injuries, and they're adapting to it, and they've won three of the four games. And, hey, the, the games they played, Notre Dame and Notre Dame, and they're one of the top-ranked teams in the country, fifth. They only lost two points to Clemson, who's number one. Then they played an undefeated team in Utah and beat them. Then they played Cal when Cal had their backs against the wall and had to win that football game. They went to Cal. So this week they were a little down. You can't play every game at the same consistency and intensity. It's impossible. But they won. They won. Arizona State didn't win yesterday. Some other teams didn't win yesterday. TCU didn't win yesterday. But USC won. So that's the thing you got to look at is the W, and then you work on that, and you hope that you're good enough to win the games you're supposed to win, and then you get ready for the big games. All right, we got Justin here. He says, after watching the Arizona game, obviously there's a lot of nitpicking I could do about this timeout or that play call, etc. I'm sure you're getting a bunch of those already. 
Uh, but if I wanted to say how impressed I was, I'm sorry, but I just wanted to say how impressed I was with how strategic and in control Clay Helton remained throughout the game. My wife kept on asking me the strategic thinking behind this or that move, and I was able to answer her. And I realized if Kiffin or Sark had gone down by two touchdowns early, when she would ask me the same questions, I would usually just shake my head and shrug because I had no clue why they were making the, the decisions that they were making. I'm just curious to hear if Coach feels the same way. Justin. Justin, I agree 100%. I think the game management has been absolutely fantastic. Clock management has been absolutely fantastic. Timeouts, he's utilized his timeouts in games where they run the clock down, he calls a timeout. He's, I think he's done a heck of a job in doing this, along with being the offensive coordinator and calling all the plays. Uh, on the sideline, he's in complete control. You never see him overreact or underreact. You see him completely in control of the game, and I think he's doing a tremendous job uh, in that form. I think that it certainly shows, and I think the kids aren't, don't panic over it. You never see him panicking. You never see him screaming or yelling. He's in control. He knows what's going on. He's focused, and he keeps the team calm at the same time. I think he's doing a great job at that, and I agree with you. Uh, in the past, I wouldn't have known exactly what might have been going on with some of these situations. And we got one last one for you, Coach. Kind of, we you know discussed a little bit. This is more on the Clay Helton side. Um, pretty wild swings on Twitter when USC was losing. Everyone's like, Helton's definitely not considered to be the head coach. And then towards the end, more people were kind of warming up to it again. But I'll play you this voicemail, and then we'll get your thoughts. Hi, this is Nick from London, England, calling for. Dan, um, Ryan, or Coach Hyde. I'll be brief. Love the show. Love the podcast. It's amazing. Um, a few things. Great win. Great team effort. But Coach Helton cannot be considered for the head coach. couple things. Um, his game clock management is horrible. We don't have any timeouts in the fourth quarter. Uh, secondly, his play calling is abysmal. Um, Ronald Jones is clearly the best back on the team, yet we are still platooning. Um, if Madden didn't, wasn't hurt, Jones would have probably had 10 or 15 less carries. Um, you know, these bubble screens have to, they have to stop. And, um, and these first down throws behind the line of scrimmage just kill drives. I've never seen so many three and outs in my life. Ronald Jones saved the day. Our defense saved the day. Um, I love Helton. He's a great guy, great motivator. Reminds me a lot of Orgeron little bit cleaned up, but he cannot be considered for the job. He wouldn't be considered for any top 50 job if he didn't get a job at USC. Thoughts? All right, well, thank you for calling. Um, first of all, it's a little early to judge on all of this. Uh, there's a lot that's been going on in the football program at USC, and I think that with the conditions the way they are, I think he's done a good job. Now, you talk about time management. I thought he's done good in time management. As far as some of the timeouts, I agree. Uh, you always want to have timeouts when you need them in the fourth quarter, but sometimes it's necessary to take a timeout rather than waste a play or run something that might cause you some problems. The bubble screens, I think they've run that a little bit too much too. They've run it into the ground, and you've got to be able to counteract that. We spoke about that earlier on the bubble screen so that you can come back or quick screen and hit them with a big play they do this and if they took that away take that away they can't take the other thing away you've got to be able to do a lot of different things off of it 
as far as him being the head coach at at USC, I think he certainly uh, has been interviewing uh, well. Will he be offered the job at USC? I absolutely don't know. There's a lot involved in being the coming head football coach at USC. There's, first of all, coaches that are, well, let's put it to you this way. It's the White House of college football. Uh, there are other programs like USC. There's Alabama, Ohio State, and others, but that's probably the three. Michigan, too, could be considered as one of those, and some of the other teams, LSU, in the Southeastern Conference. But to hire a head football coach at USC is not an easy thing to do because so much is expected from that head football coach. Winning isn't enough. It's winning championships. And also in hiring a head football coach at USC, there's a lot that comes about in pressure to the athletic director and the people and the president from donors or high-up people who give always their suggestions on who they think would be the best for that job. And you have to listen to them, but you're asking them for favors or money and donations, such as the renovation now of the Coliseum, and you've got to handle them with care, or they're going to say, ah, oh, they, they, you didn't listen to me, and blah, 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 and all of the above. Plus, when you look at other head football coaches that come in, there's no warranty on exactly what they're bringing to the program, and they may be just uh, talking about the program because they want to get a pay raise back where they are, and they have no intention of leaving whatsoever. So you've got to be careful on who you hire. You've got to talk with that coach. And there are some coaches that wouldn't interview for the job, that they would say, offer me the job. I'm not interviewing. My record speaks for itself. Offer me the job, and then I'll see what you can give me or what I need, and when we'll decide uh, if uh, I want to take the job. But you got to offer me the job first. Then I'll discuss it. But maybe I like it where I'm at, and, and maybe also he's thinking about if they get the idea he might be leaving, that he'll get another pay raise or get another incentive in his contract or get something that he wasn't expecting to get or wanted to get somehow. And if you interview Coach Helton for the head coaching position, you're going to interview him just by winning out isn't going to give him the job. He said, I'm Coach Helton. I'm going to sit down with Pat Hayden. I'm going to say, okay, what's my budget for assistant coaches? Do I have $5 million? What is my budget for that? Am I in charge of the football program 100% or is J.K. McKay in charge of the football program? I want to say in scheduling. I want to say in traveling. I want to say in everything. Otherwise, why put yourself in a position where you can't be successful? Because if he wins out, I'm not sure if he won't become a head football coach at one of these other schools that have a lot of jobs, and he'll be more in a position where he can get what he needs to do to win. But you can't get become the head football coach and then get your hands tied. You've got to get the head football coach to be successful. So there's a lot of interviewing on both ends as far as for the football committee or whoever's making the selection at UNC and also – for Coach Helton or whomever they decide to talk to you for the head coaching position because it's got to be a good job. It is a good job, but you want to know what the figures are, and also you want to be able to find out, now I want this job, but, but what are you talking about paying me or paying our staff because I know the pressures of this job, and I've got a head start on this job because I've already coached here, and I know the players here and all of the above and a lot of the alumni. But I also know there's a lot of people that don't want me. 
and I know that they maybe will hope where I might lose to prove that they were right. So I need to know that everything's in place. So if I do get offered this job, these are the things in the structure of what I need to work under to get it done. Coach, great stuff. Lots of uh, discussion here on a Sunday instead of a Monday, but we appreciate you because you're going on a special assignment. I got practice tomorrow. Well, I got to be at practice tomorrow morning anyway, Monday morning anyway. So we'll change the podcast schedule up a little bit this week, but hope you guys enjoyed our Sunday version of it with Coach Harvey Hyde. A little sooner, a little more fresh in your mind after the game since it was less than 24 hours ago, late game. I didn't get home until like 1.30 in the morning. Um, but, yeah, Coach, thanks again for coming on. We really appreciate it. Brian, thank you very much. And for all of you out there, have a good short week. This is a Friday night kickoff. At least it's on the road. We don't have to go to the Coliseum. Yeah, and it's going to be 30 degrees or so there. So uh, I'm glad that I'm sending Dan Weber, Coach, and not and I'm not going to go. So that's a good one. Send, send Dan up there in a T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, Coach, thanks again. And everyone else, thanks so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. We will talk to you next time. And now stay tuned for a message from our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.